So next Sunday's Easter already. Kind of nice. Yesterday, um, Jenny and I saw our neighbor uh, at Lowe's. We were we went to Lowe's to pick up uh, uh, you know fertilizer because you put fertilizer on the grass so the grass grows so you can cut the grass. It's a it's a wacky it's a wacky setup, uh, but I bought right into it. So you know I'm I'm uh, I'm doing that anyway. We get in line and uh, as we're in line. Uh, Jenny said to me, oh, there's Cindy. Now, we know about, you know, four Cindys. And I look, and it's Cindy, our neighbor across the street. And her mother was with her. Now, we've never met her mother before, but she's told us about her mom. Her mom has some health conditions, and and she goes over and helps her. Uh, And when she didn't have to tell us this was her mother, because... We looked at Cindy, we looked at her mom, we said, I, I just looked at her and I said, you must be her mother, you know. And uh, sure enough, you know, there, there it was. I mean, you, you, we've all done it. We've looked at people and we thought, well, they must be related. That's happened in our family before. Um, people look at them and say, oh, they must be related. I said, well, yeah, I kind of think so. That's one of my favorite pictures of them. Um, but that, you know, they don't have to be blood related because sometimes we, you know, we see people and we think, well, they must be related. <laughs> Am I right? We'll have to, we'll have to get them later. Um, and sometimes, sometimes it's, it's simply because of talent, you know. I uh, see some of you know where we're going. Uh, it's simply because of talent. And they, you know, they, they can, uh, you know, they, they can all do, um, you know, that, that same, you know, that, that same, have that same ability. Um, you know, sometimes it's mannerisms, uh, values. There's a lot of different things. Uh, you've, you've run across people and just from talking with them, um, you get a picture in your mind of someone else. You know, it's like, boy, they're just like, you know, they're, they're, they're just like so-and-so. Um, you know, and they remind us, they remind us of, of, of an individual. Uh, and and uh, I, I've, gone to, I've gone to things and I've, I've said to people, you know, because I don't mind talking to people I don't know. Uh, if you two aren't related, you should be, you know, because you certainly, you know, you, you certainly look like it. And... Um, but if we have a relationship with God, if we have a relationship, you know, through Christ, we should resemble him. You know, more and more, we should re- resemble him. We should be reflecting his mannerisms, his habits, you know, his values. I think that's going to become a little more clear as we go through the verses that we're going to look at today. But let's pray we're going to turn to our passage in First John. Father, thank you that you have given us people in our lives who um, have shown us a greater picture of you. I think of some who uh, you have brought into my life, and I think of many of the ways that people here have uh, reflected your values, your habits, your mannerisms. And I look at them and I say, I can see Christ in them. 
What a great thing that is. Now, as we look into your word, reveal that a little bit more. Explain to us a little bit more. Help us to see how it is that we are to reflect what a great God you are. That we are to, well, that, that transformation process that you've begun in us, that we see unfolding. And I hope what we see today is really kind of twofold. I hope you help us to see we are getting there. That, Father, we're not what we once were. That you are transforming us. You are helping us uh, to see and you a little more clearly and to be a little more clearly yours. But I also ask that you would help us to see maybe some of those areas in which um, we don't quite got it yet. And we need to. So unveil, unveil yourself as we look into your word, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Excuse me a second. Now I think I got it. <clears throat> Man, that was something. Anyway, we're going to be in First John. First John chapter 4. We're going to pick up with verse 17. Um, these verses are continuing right along the same line, the same vein we looked at last week. First John is very, very hard to separate uh, he continues, he, he goes back and forth uh, to, from the, over the same subjects, and he brings it up again. And uh, so to, to try to disconnect, uh, you know, part of it is, is not something we want to do, and I guess that's a good challenge for us uh, just to see how this flows. And it really flows, you know, one letter continually, you know, it connects back to what we, what he's already written and to what's coming yet. But we're going to drop down verse 17, chapter 4. It says, In this love is perfected with us, so that we may have confidence in the, in the day of judgment. For we are as he is in this world. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear, because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears has not reach perfection in love we love because he first loved us <clears throat> now when i look at this the the first overall thing I, I see here is that we need to respond to god's presence within us now where does that come from i told you this whole letter flows together if you look back at, at verse 16 where we ended last week it talks about the fact that god is in us and here so if we respond to his presence within us that's love himself you know, God is love, it says, and so love himself is, is in us. And when, when we respond to love himself within us, then love is perfected in us. You know, love becomes more and more, we become more and more like him. We, we love more and more like God does. We become more and more... Uh, embracing, embracing is... Uh, just the, his qualities are flowing more and more through us, really. Uh, you know, and so when we look at this and we become more and more like him, we're, his love is perfected in us, both in quality and in persistence. Now, our problem is when we, when we hear the word love, we think, and again, of all these, you know, warm, ooey-gooey, cinnamon bun feelings, and that's, that's not it. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about, about acting, about serving for the benefit of others. Maybe, you know, maybe if we put the word serving in there, it would be a little bit 
it would be a little bit uh, closer to our understanding. But you know, it, it's that that word love, and it's both in quality and persistence. And persistence. Read through the Gospels and see. Christ wasn't always accepted, but he persisted in his love for other people. You know, he continued to reach out to them, even to those who rejected him. He continued to interact with those, even those who rejected him. He continued to live before them, the example of love. And as we love, you know, you know, resulting as we love that, you know, the result there, the resulting in, in love being perfected in us, we gain confidence in our relationship with Christ Jesus. We become more sure of and more sure in our relationship with Jesus as that love is perfected in us. We realize more and more that we are his. We become more sure in that relationship and of that relationship, the fact that we are his, and then being able to act and being able to live in and from that relationship. We reflect him more and more clearly than we once did. His, his transforming power in our life becomes clearer than it, than it once was. You know, it says we are his in this world. We stand as those visible representatives of Jesus here on earth. Now, again, this is not a new concept. In John chapter 13, after the, uh, <coughs> after the, uh, the, the beginning of the Last Supper, when he washed their feet, you know, he said, Children, I am with you a little while longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews where I am going, you cannot come. So now I tell you, I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I loved you. Love one another just as I loved you. You must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. We are his. We are, we are as he is in this world. We are his. That visible example. He says right here, you know, so that all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Again, right after this, this is what he shares with them right after he served them by washing their feet. And he said, do to others as I've done to you. I came to serve. I came among you as a servant, he says. And this is what you're to do and how you're to live among others. Just before he, as he was departing, and you know, just before he left it and was, was raised before them, and I like that. Pastor Kent's been going over Acts on Wednesday night, uh, you know, and he was talking about, you know, the fact that there they all are. They're standing looking up. He goes into heaven and he's looking up and the angel comes along and says, hey, you know, say, boys, what you looking at, you know? Uh, you know, that whole picture. Well, he, just before that, he told him, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And what? You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. You will be as he is in the world. We are as he is in the world. We stand as those visible representatives. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Wherever it is you're going, you're his witnesses. You know, now, you know, I've mentioned this before. You, you may be a lousy witness, but you're a witness, you see. We want to try to be a, a, a good witness, but he says, you will be my witnesses. Verse 18. In, in uh, John chapter 4, he says, there is no fear in love. Boy, do we need to grasp that. Do we ever need to grasp that? There is no fear in love. Now, in the context, in the context of, 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 of 1 John here, uh, I really see two areas 
they're both fairly common to us, but two areas of fear that it seems to me he's addressing here in First John. One of those areas is that call for us to love. You know, that call for us to love one another, to act, to live for the betterment of another, to act for the benefit of another. We can be very apprehensive when we reach out in love. We can be very apprehensive to reach out in love. In fact, we can be so apprehensive that we don't reach out in love that he told us to. Why? Because we fear rejection. Nobody wants to be rejected. You know, we don't want to be rejected. But again, I see Jesus over and over again was rejected. What did he do? He continued to reach out in love. He continued, to, he continued to work for the benefit of others. You know, we don't want to be misunderstood. Again, Jesus was often misunderstood. But we don't want to be misunderstood. I mean, that's not our goal. Our goal isn't to be misunderstood, and sometimes it is. You know, sometimes, sometimes we are misunderstood. And, you know, really some of us are just afraid the other person might want to be our friends. And quite frankly, we don't want to have any more friends. Or we don't want to have them as friends. Some friends are a lot of work. They are. Some friends are a lot of work. You know, and, and some friends are, are more work at times than others. But you know what? That's, I'm so glad that people put up with me when I need work. You know, when I'm that friend that takes a lot of work and they continue to reach out to me. But we fear this, you know, we fear this whole call, the whole call to love. The second area, you know, in the context of First John here, particularly focused on fear, is that punishment by God. We fear the wrath of God. We fear that God is going to toast our cookies because we know we need it, because we know we deserve it, you know, because we know, okay, uh, we, you know, we, we did something we shouldn't have. Now, we looked last week, you know, and look at, at verse 10 there, the fact that Jesus, it says, is the propitiation for our sin, the one who, the one who protects those who have that relationship with him, the one who averts the wrath of God. That's that propitiation, good word there. Sin deserves the wrath of God. When you sin, you deserve the wrath of God. And again, like we mentioned last week, wrath of God, that sounds pretty serious. It is. But again, we're the ones who discount sin. We think sometimes it's not, it's not that big a deal. No, it is that big a deal. It's not that big a deal, Pastor. No, it is, because you know what? That sin you think isn't that big a deal? Christ died for that sin. That's the sin he was put to death for. Sin is a big deal. And sin deserves the wrath of God. And we know we're sinners, and, and many fear the wrath of God. Many fear that, that, you know, that that's what's coming. But... Uh, Look at verse 17, just before this, just before he says there's no fear in love. Verse 17, he says, we can have confidence, what? In the day of judgment. You see, we can have confidence in that day of judgment. Why? There's no fear in love. We don't have to fear this punishment of, this punishment of love. Perfect love drives out fear. As love is perfected in us, fear is lessened in us. You see, we have, again, is this, all, this all ties in to what he's been talking about. You know, that, 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 that we have God's presence within us, love himself living within us. He talks about that in verse 16, where we stopped last week. Goes on into verse 17, you know, that, uh, about this, this, whole, this whole call, uh, you know, about love being perfected in us. That we can have confidence on the day of judgment. Why? Because perfect love drives out fear. As love is perfected. As love is perfected in us, fear is lessened in us. The more we love, the more we take actions for the benefit of others, 
the more love is perfected in us. Perfected, made more complete. Made more complete, made more full, made more real. Made more intentional. It's intentional actions he's talking about. Serving others doesn't come naturally for most of us. You know, it's, it, it's not my gift. But it is my responsibility. You need to understand that. We can't, say, we can't just say that's not our gift. It is your responsibility. That just means for some of us, it has to be a little bit more intentional than it is for others. Because while it may not be our gift, it is, it, it, it is our responsibility. And the more we love, the more we take this action, the more it's perfected in us. And then the more comfortable, the less apprehensive, the less fearful you will, we get acting in love, acting for the benefit of others. The more we do it, and then the less apprehensive we get. You know, fear can be instantaneously cast out. It can. You know, it, it can and uh, sometimes has, but most often I believe it is progressively cast out. That as we le- Most of you probably don't remember the first time you rode a bike. You know, I don't remember the first time I rode a bike. I do remember some of the first times driving a car. I was a little fearful. I told you my first day of driver's ed, I had driven before that, but my very first day of driver's ed, the, you know, the uh, teacher had me drive, and the uh, first thing he had me do was go around the corner and pull up to the gas pump. Pull up to the gas pump? Are you nuts? You know, I just, I, 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 never, I had never done that before. It's just a little fearful. You know, uh, nobody wants to run into a gas pump. I mean, people have done it, but uh, I just thought, this would be a bad first day. You know, this could be a real bad first day, driver's ed here. You know, if I don't incinerate myself and everyone else in the car, you know. Uh, I, I, I pull up to a gas pump now, and it's, you know, it's no big deal. Because the more we practice it, the more we do these things, you say, then, then, then the easier it comes. And, and, and I think it's the same thing, you know, with fear. Fear is, you know, is progressively, if you will, cast out. As we grow, as we grow in understanding his love for us. This is what he's talking about here. And as we grow in understanding his love for us, and, and as, as we grow in our actions for the benefit of others, fear is lessened. Fear is, is removed. Now, fear can also be an indicator for you. It can be an indicator for you that you need to grow in your understanding. You need to grow in your understanding and your appreciation uh, for the depth of love that God has for you. And again, he talks about this in verse 16. You know, you need to grow in that understanding of the depth of his love. Verse 19, he says, we love because he first loved us. Our ability, our, our ability to love is directly connected to his love for us. Again, the connections in this whole book, earlier in, in, in chapter 3, verse 16, it says, this is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for, you know, for our brothers. His love for us, you see, his love for us, he laid down his life for us, and it's directly connected to what? Then we should lay down our lives for our brothers. It's directly connected there. 
We know, you know, we know love because of how God loved us, how Jesus gave his life for us. Romans chapter 5 says, but God demonstrates, God exhibits, God works out, God puts into action, God puts feet to, God does this, God works for the benefit of others. He demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We, we, lose, we lose contact in reality with this whole picture of while we were still sinners. Because you see, we sit here, we sit here as, uh, you're still a sinner, you don't want to hurt your feelings, just suck it up, that's the reality. We're still sinners, and, and, you know, but we, we sit here in a forgiven state and we forget, we forget that it was before we cared that Christ died for us. It was before we knew. It was before we realized. It was before we admitted that we were sinners, that Christ died for us. And how he acted, you know, he acted in, in our best interest, for our benefit, for our betterment. While we still deserved his wrath. While we still deserved his while we still deserved death, and instead of giving us what we deserved, instead he didn't give us the just consequence. People talk about wanting justice. What you mean is you want the other person punished. That's too often what we mean when we talk about justice. We want the other person punished. We don't want to be punished. We don't, we don't want the just consequences of our choices. Instead, you know, the, wa- the wages we earn through sin, Christ died for. Christ died, the propitiation for our sins to give us forgiveness, to give us eternal life with him. We love, we love because he first loved us. Our love, our love for others is to resemble our Heavenly Father's love. You know, that, you, it's, you, that family resemblance, His love, is part, supposed to, that, that should be part of our family resemblance in how we interact with others. He reached out to us while we were still in sin. He reached out to us and acted in our best interest in being that propitiation for our sin. His sacrifice paid the penalty for our sin, averted God's wrath, and brought us forgiveness. Pick up verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For the person, I love the way John says, he's just nice and clear. You know, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. You know, for the person who does not love his brother that he has seen cannot love the God he has not seen. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother. I like the way John gets right to the point. If you claim, if you claim that you have a relationship with Christ, you know, if you claim to have a relationship with Christ Jesus and you don't act, you don't live in line with the relationship that you claim to have, if you claim to have that relationship and you don't live, you don't act in line with that relationship you claim to have, you're a liar. That's what he says. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. Hate works against. Love works for. You see, hate destroys 
and works against. That's what hate does. Hate destroys and works against whatever it is that that hate is going out toward, whether it's, whether it's, it's toward a, a concept or whether it's toward a person. Hate destroys and works against. Love, love unselfishly seeks the best for them and builds up. God is building up, you know, and that's what love does unselfishly, without, without concern for themselves. It, it, you know, it seeks the best for others without that selfish concern, without that, 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 that wondering, well, what's in it for me? Or what's this going to cost me? If Jesus said, what's it going to cost me? And, you know, what's going to cost your life? Forget it then. That isn't what he said. What's it going to cost me, your life? Okay, let's do this. That's how God loved. Now here specifically, he mentions our need you know, to love others with a relationship with Christ. You know, if anyone says, you know, I love yet hates, hates his brother, he's talking about those in a relationship with Christ. Some of the translations say brother and sister. You know, don't get your, you know, don't get a messy bun about that. But, you know, the, the, whole, the whole picture, he's talking about, he's talking about the, the, the reality, you know, the reality of those who have a relationship with Christ. We are to work for their good. We are to work for their betterment. You know, if you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, then you have a responsibility to others with a relationship with Christ Jesus. If you have that relationship, you will have that responsibility. Again, you may not have that gift, but you have that responsibility. He says, the one who loves, uh, who loves God must also love his brother. A word I want to draw your attention to there. The one who loves God must also love his brother. It has to be a part of your love for God. It has to be a part of that. Now, you know, there are, there are things you can do and things you must do to be alive. I mean, there, there's, you know, it, you can hold your breath, but you must breathe. You can go on a diet, you know, you, you, can, you can go on a diet, but you must eat. You can stay up late, you can even stay up for days, but you must sleep. You see, you can put off and avoid, and you, and you can try to control, uh, you know, and think that you're having some control over some of those things. But you must, you know, you, you must breathe, you, you, you must eat, you must sleep. The one who loves God must also love his brother. What he's telling us here is that love for God, you know, and hate for God's child is incompatible. You know, he, he told us, you know, that we're God's children. They're incompatible. They don't go together. Love brings a responsibility. Love brings a, a responsibility to, if you love God, it brings a responsibility to his children as well. I was thinking about this this morning, and I don't remember what tripped that thought for me. If you hurt one of my kids, we all know what that's like. If you come against 
one of my kids, you've come against me. It's just a reality, isn't it? We do that with, you know, and we've heard this and seen this before too, you know, and, and siblings, brothers and sisters, brothers and brothers, sisters and sisters, they fight sometimes. But somebody else comes in and does something. One who loves God must also love his child. This is what he tells us. The one who loves God must also love his child. Those, those with a relationship with Christ are God's children. Again, in John, 1 John chapter 3, he says, Look how great the father, uh, the love, a love the Father has given to us that we should be called God's children. And we are. Are, not will be. We looked at this when we looked at this chapter. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. Now, right now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we'll be like him because we will see him as he is. There's this whole, this whole family resemblance thing. This whole family resemblance thing going on. You know, an evidence of our relationship, an evidence of, of our relationship with God is living out a commitment to others who have a relationship to God. That's part of what he's called us to do. I love the harmony in Scripture. James tells us the same thing. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? You know, can that faith save him? There was an argument early in early ch- the early church history uh, saying, you know, James preaches uh, a, a gospel of works. No, he doesn't. What James preaches is that if you have faith, it works. That faith works. You see, that faith makes a change in someone's life. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can that faith save him? The obvious answer there is no. He goes on. He says, if a brother or sister is without clothes, lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace. Keep warm and eat well, but you don't do a stinking thing for him. That's a loose translation. But you you don't give him what the body needs. What? good is it what good is it in the same way faith if it does not have works is dead by itself if that relationship you claim to have with christ isn't making any change in your life isn't bringing about any care any connection with those who know christ if it isn't bringing that then you know what in the world do you think you have here you know what do you think you have? what good is it it's dead by itself but someone will say you have faith i have works Show me your faith without works. And I will show you my faith from my works. He says there's a a change that comes about. Foolish man. Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Dead. For nothing. It isn't real. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also... Faith without works is dead, isn't real, isn't a lie. If you have a relationship with Christ Jesus, then you have a responsibility to others who have a relationship to Christ Jesus. We have that responsibility. Chapter 5, let's get into the beginning of chapter 5 here. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of Him. This is how we know that we love God's children, when we love God and obey His commands. 
For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. Now his commands are not a burden. These verses really, these tie in with all we've been looking at for the last few weeks here. You know, that family resemblance, you know, family resemblance includes that right belief about Jesus. That right belief about Jesus, that he is born of God. You know, that he is from God. You know, Jesus alone, Jesus alone, you know, has that unique position as God's one and only son. You know, he himself is God, part of the part of the triune God, part of who he is. You know, one God in three distinct persons, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, yet one God, three distinct individuals, all God, yet, you know, individually and together, all God. Love for Jesus, he said, you know, love, love for the Father is love for Jesus as well. They're one. You can't love one without, without loving the other as well. John chapter 14, he says, if you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This again was after the Last Supper as he's talking to his disciples, the one, you know, and, and uh, was it Andrew? I forget who it was. Uh, Andrew asked the question, show us the Father. That's what I said. It was Philip who said, show us the Father. <laughs> I know it was one of those guys. Uh, you know, he said, show us the Father. And, and here's, here's Jesus' response. If you, know, you know, if you know me, you'll also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. goes on a little later. Jesus said to him, have I been among you all this? Yeah, there it is. Have I been among you all this time without your knowing me, Philip? Or Andrew. Uh, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? They are separate, yet inseparable. You know, they, 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 it's, it's, they, they are individually distinguished persons, yet inseparable. John chapter 15, he said, If I had not done the works among them that no one else has done, they would not have sinned. Now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. You know another person with a relationship with Jesus because uh, uh, that relationship with Jesus because they have a right belief about him that he is God and he is Messiah but also you know another mark of family resemblance is obedience obedience to God the verses are pretty clear here that when when we truly love God we obey his commands because that's what it says there this is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands he goes on uh, for this is what love uh, for God is to keep his commands he says there's that love there's that commitment there's that that that, that connection then there's going to be a change there's going to be a transformation and there's, it's going to work out just as James says that faith without works it's going to show jesus told a parable in matthew chapter 21 and it highlights the importance of obedience not simply saying the right things he says but what what do you think a man had two sons he went to the first and he said my son go work out in the vineyard today he answered i don't want to i don't want to yet later he changed his mind and went Uh, then the man went to the other and said the same thing you know go work in the fields he says i will sir he answered but he didn't go which of the two which of the two did his father's will? The first, they said. You see, they could even see that it was that action that's there. It wasn't just saying, it wasn't, it's not simply knowing. It's not even simply being able to say the right things. That's not what it's about. It's, it's not, even, not even being able to tell others what it means to obey God. You see, obedience proves the words. 
Obedience proves the word. One of the things, you know, we did Dave McCombs' funeral on Friday. And, uh, uh, you know, when I talked with, when I, I talked with Dave the, the Tuesday before he passed, and one of the things he told me, he said, Pastor, he said, anything we've ever talked about, he said, anything we have ever talked about, he said, you know, in the parking, we used to talk in the parking lot a lot before he started coming to church. He said, anything we've ever talked about, anything I've ever told you, he said, you feel free. He said, you feel absolutely free to share that with anybody that you think it would help. And when Dave got sick, you know, and a year ago, I mean, just a year ago, we were, um, he was helping us rip this platform out and loading it in his dump truck and taking it and taking it to the dump and um, actually, a year ago today, he was he and Margo were heading uh, out for their um, anniversary celebration. Um, but one of the things he said to me then, you know, it was a few months after that that he got sick, and then they found out that it was the cancer and stuff. And we were right, you know, we were in the aisle here, and uh, he said to me, uh, "God wants to see if I'm going to walk the talk." And he did. He did. You know, those months that, you know, the, the months that he had left. And he, he did. Even that Tuesday when I talked to him, that last Tuesday when I talked to him, you know, he said, you know, God, you know, not an exact quote, but, you know, God's got this under control. God's got this. You know, and, and the obedience proves the words obedience reveals the heart it reveals the heart these two these two brothers in jesus parable of matthew chapter 21 you know the the, the one said you know i i don't want to do it i don't want it but he did it the other one said yeah no problem i'll do it and then he didn't bother to do it you know it, 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 the obedience proves the words and the obedience reveals the heart your obedience confirms the commitment. It confirms the commitment. I told you before, so you know, I got to do math for a second here. Uh, four, one, forty-seven years. Forty-seven years, Jenny and I have been married. I don't, I, I don't know what I said to her when we got married. I don't have a clue what the vows were. I mean, I have a clue because I've done a couple of weddings since then, you know, and I, I realized what, you know, what we had those people say. And then uh, I didn't give you a copy of your wedding yet, did I, Katie? I'm going to have to give you guys, I've got to give them a copy of their wedding. I want them to have a copy of their vows. But anyway, um, I, I, made a, I made a commitment to her. And you see... The commitment, you know, the commitment, it's proven by the words, by the heart. And obedience confirms that commitment. It's the same with our relationship with Christ. Another family resemblance is the presence of love. The presence of love. Not feelings, you know, not, not the warm, fuzzy feelings here he's talking about, but, you know, he's talking about those actions and seeking the best for others. Because, quite frankly, some of you would not want to go camping with me for the weekend. And it's okay. I, I can live with that. You know, I, 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 you know it's all right. But what, what, he's, what he says here, you know, is, it's, it's that, that 
Remember the harmony within the letter. Chapter 3, verse 18. Little children, we must not love with words or speech, but with truth and action. With truth and action. And it's love. It's love that we see going, it goes in two directions, towards God and toward his children. You know, some like to illustrate that with a picture of the cross, you know, vertically toward God and out toward his children, out toward his people. Love is a family resemblance, you know, that is seen in God's people. Love for God and love for his children. We express, you know, we express our love for God by actively loving his children, those in a relationship with Christ. Look at what he says here. You know, how do we increase? How do we increase this family resemblance? Uh, you know, as we respond to God's presence within us, then love is perfected in us. As we respond to his presence within us, the presence of love himself, as we respond to that presence of God within us, then love is perfected in us. And as love is perfected in us, then fear is lessened in us. And as fear is lessened in us, we more freely love and serve others. And we have that responsibility to love, to seek the betterment of others who have a relationship with Christ. You know, and right beliefs flow into obedience, uh, you know, to God resulting in love for others, serving others, you know, particularly those with a relationship with Christ. The family resemblance with Christ. Let's make it more a part of ourselves. He picks up, he goes on with that, and we're not going to go on today because we don't have the time. Um, it'll actually be a couple weeks. Next week's Easter, I'm going to take a different, uh, different tact, a different focus for Easter. Uh, but we're going to pick up with, we're going to pick up with this uh, in a couple of weeks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, the way you love us. Help us to learn to love others. To love others with that same freedom in which you give us love. You don't make us earn it. You don't make us be worthy before you will love us. We are worthy because you have loved us. Now help us to love others. Help us to be able to reach out to them. Help us to resemble you more and more and more. As you transform us, as you increase that love in us and drive out the fear, the fear of, of reaching out in love and the fear of punishment, knowing that you, you who gave your own son for us, won't withhold any good thing. Uh, Help us to be the people you want us to be, Lord, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.